everybody. Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Arthur Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hey, listeners, honk if you're ready for a podcast. Honk if beep, you're ready. Beep, beep. I'm beep, ready. Beep, beep, yeah. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, good segue, Art. Good segue, because why, Andy? What are we talking about today? Wow, today we have been tasked by the titular Mr. Bunker with exploring a a rumor of a pop uh culture icons grisly death grisly and uh (laughs) replacement by an unknown mystery man uh specifically listeners what i'm referring to is the rumor known popularly as paul is dead paul of course being paul mccartney that's right the band the beatles we're talking about the beatles today you might have heard of them. They're a little band out of Liverpool. You might know a couple of their tunes that enjoyed some popularity over the years. They've had some chart successes. Yes, they have. We got a lot of stuff to discuss here, Andy. Um, but first, now, if the listeners want to go straight to that research, right? They want to. If you're go, ready to hear about Paul is dead, you want to go straight to talking about the Beatles. You just can't wait to talk about them, Andy. What should the listeners? What do you recommend they do? Uh, listeners, my recommendation for you is to fuck right off and check <laughs> check the show notes down in uh, wherever app you're using yeah. to look at this podcast. Check the show notes, wherever those might be, uh, right at the top, the tippy tippy top of the show notes. You're going to find the timestamp. That's right. The time tramp stamp that tells you <laughs> where to go. Just slide that little slider uh, that measures the time yeah. the podcast has been running to the exact numbers that are listed there. To the second. And you'll be right into the Paula's Dead research. We and always you'll avoid that. hearing more of us right now. <laughs> but first, we're going to do a little little introduction. We're going we're gonna to talk to you a little bit. We're going to tell you a little story. Let me tell you some shit that's Come here and sit us. on our knees. Let us, let us give you a, let us tell you a tale. Come over and sit on my knee. Come on. Come sit on my lap. Come here, sit on my lap. Come let me make fun of you a little bit. Come, come on, sit on, come my on sit on my lap. <laughs> Listeners, come sit on our laps because we're going to tell you every week, Andy and I get abducted by the illusionary mastermind, conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Bunker. Bunker. Hence, the titular Bunker. Mm-hmm. The titular Bunker captures us in some wild and crazy way, and he takes us down to his bunker every single week, and we just got to share it with you. We love to talk about it. Oh, we love it. We love it so much. And, um, you know, Andy, uh, I think I got he got me pretty good this week. Oh, did he? Well, oh, he got oh, me pretty good. Oh, my God. Don't leave me hanging here. Hit me with that story. Uh, well, I don't know if you want me to hit you with it uh, because you're going to find out. You're going to find out oh, what okay. it's all about. Okay. So I was hanging out at home. Saturday night, as you know. Oh, wow. I'm a famous Classic recluse. Art. Yeah. Uh, infamous recluse am I. Um, I love not leaving my house uh, at any time. Um, in fact, That's just, accurate, everyone. just today I saw you and I told you, hey, you look good. You looks like you got some sun. And I said, yes, I have gotten some sun. I go outside a lot more often than you do, even though that's a low bar. <laughs> yeah, it was a low blow. <laughs> and uh, so I was hanging out Saturday night. And I get a knock at my door. Somebody's knocking at my chamber door on a Saturday night. And I'm immediately like, uh-oh, what could this be? Did Ooh, I order a, food and We forget? got a real Edgar Allan Poe of a situation here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I thought maybe it was a raven. Nevermore. 
Was it members it, it, of the Baltimore Ravens? It was, no, it was not members of the Baltimore Ravens. Quoth me. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> um, I can't remember their new quarterback's name. What's his name? There's his name. Baltimore Ravens new quarterback. It's just out of high school. Is he an Ohio State guy? Mm. All right, we're looking it up. I only remember Joe Flacco. Nope. <laughs> but he's gone. Super Bowl caliber MVP Joe Flacco. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if listeners weigh in, do you Lamar think Lamar Jackson? Ah, Lamar Jackson. Louisville. Oh, my bad. I That's don't know college sports. I should have uh, remembered that. Also, he he did go to college. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he went to Louisville. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know college sports. Anyway, there's a knock at my chamber door. And so I answer the door, and what do I see but a package sitting before me? Wow. I take the package in, and I open it up, and then I spilled my cup. Wow. Because inside the package was a big-titty anime goth sleeping pillow. Okay. A big-titty anime goth sleeping pillow, Andy. Yeah. You ever seen one of those? I... Are you familiar with uh, having a, a big titty anime GF or a big titty waifu? Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with these concepts. I mean, I don't have any personal experience with any of this, but conceptually, yes, I understand what you're saying. Now, this was a big titty anime golf, goth GF. Golf. golf. She was golfing as well on the pillow. She has a golfer stance. Yeah. Uh, she's got a little club and, you know, a large waifu pillow. And I thought, I've seen I've seen a few animes. You know, I think a lot of times people like to characterize me as the weeb or the the anime fanatic of the sure. group, but in reality, that was just not the case. I've 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 seen a handful of of very popular ones. I don't watch it regularly, and I don't right. I've I've rarely ever seen more obscure ones. Um you know, but anyway, so I take this pillow inside and I thought, you know, what the heck? I'll take a little nap. Yeah. Or, you know, I'll go to, you know, I'll take a little nap on a Saturday night. I, I wanted to stay up late. You know how you do on Saturday nights where you, you'll take a nap and then, uh, uh, you know, maybe I got the time frame of the story wrong. Yeah. Maybe it was the mid afternoon that this happened, but you know, either way. Okay. I decided to take a little nap so I could stay up late and, um, you know, play some video games, get ready. Cause I know Sunday mornings. Something's gonna happen to me, right? You know how it is, and it's oh, like I, I want to try and enjoy my weekend. A sure, little bit. sure. So I take a little nap with this uh, big titty anime goth GF uh, golfing uh, waifu pillow, right? And um, as I'm napping with the pillow, um, all of a sudden it starts. Something's wriggling, and I think, is that you know, is my cat bothering me? So is our stupid is our stupid cat bothering me while I'm trying to take a nice relaxing nap? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the pillow starts squirming, and I'm in this sleepy haze. And I wake up, and I think maybe I'm imagining this. The pillow sprouts arms, Andy. From where? From where From... the big titty anime goth golf GF the anime pillow is. So it came to life? It came to life. It sprouts arms. It was Bunker the whole oh, time. Oh my God. He dressed up like an anime dressed pillow. Up like a waifu pillow. And he hugged me. And then he somehow like kind of reversed. He hugged you? Yeah, he like oh. pillow hugged me and then reversed. Sweet. He reverse stuffed me inside the pillow. 
So he popped out of the pillow and you went into it. Yeah, like it's like he popped out the back and caused a uh, like an opening and then somehow like wrapped that opening around and latched it onto Jeez. me. I was all wrapped up. This is an elaborate pillow. I know. I told you it was a good one, right? He, yeah. He, he must have been crafting that one for a while. Man. He was working hard on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's no creating an entire amusement park, but it really shows that he cares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know. He designed his own Big titty anime golf goth GF <laughs> character. He built it around your interests. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That shows he cares. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you know, that's why I'm in my PJs. So you've been here all night. Yeah, I was here all night. I spent the night here. Wow. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's very cold. It's a little damp. Yeah. There's some dampness. It's there's dank. dampness. Yeah, there's dankness. And not in a good way. No, not in the vapey, weedy way. No, no. Or the Wheaties way. <laughs> no, this is not. Those dank, that dank cereal. Dank. dank. Help you freaking take the Olympics you know, by storm. And there's, you wouldn't think there, it's not weird because there's, there's just like little beeps and boops. You don't yeah. know where those beeps and boops are coming from. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, anytime you sleep in a new place, you have the worst, you have the worst night's sleep that you've ever had. Um, you know, it's, and that was no different for me. It's because you train your body. You wake up a lot in the night, but in your own bed, you get very good at you very comfortable with your surroundings. Mm -hmm. So you just immediately go back to sleep. Oh, it's like a heuristic. Yeah. So it's then when you're in a your new body's place, like, check, 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 check. Yeah, yeah. You subconsciously you just check check off all the boxes and you wow. go back to sleep. But when you're in a new place, it's like, hold on, this is different. What's going on here? Mm -hmm. Um. But that was me. You know, he ruined my fucking big titty anime goth golf GF <laughs> wife. And you were really looking forward to that pillow. pillow. It was a nice pillow. I can tell. You liked it. It had good fabric. Yeah. And the character was well designed. Was I mean, I think the golfing personality adds a lot of character to this character. <laughs> yeah. Don't it's, you think? Yeah. It's, it's more than just some sort of like sexual thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is a, this is a waifu with interests. Yes. Anyway. Wow. Your waifu's got to have interests. You got to. Otherwise, your waifu's shit, listeners. Dude. Your waifu doesn't have good interests. Your waifu's shit. And I'm telling you right now, listeners, you can come at me. Your waifu is shit. I love going to Starbucks, getting on that free waifu. Yeah. God. It went right past me. Yeah. It's like it's like, like I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping, and it's like a heuristic, and I'm just like, yep. Oh, God, he got me again. It boomeranged. <laughs> they had a real... Yeah. How anyway. Australian of me. Andy, um, how'd you get here? Well, Art, I have only been here, obviously. Yeah, you got here this morning. This morning. Um, and, you know, it's it's that time of year when you're able to take your car and get it cleaned on the exterior without it freezing. Right. So we here in Chicagoland have uh, terrible winters. Yeah, and you can't always you can't always wash the car. You can't really wash your winter. car in the winter. In my freeze. Um, so I took the car this morning to get it washed. A uh, a new automatic car wash opened near where I live. Ah. Um, and so I'm like, let's see, let's check it out. Let's see what the deal is. So I uh, I take my car. I drive the car over there, and. Uh, it's one of these um, car washes, you know, where you like, you pull your car in and it goes on the tracks. Sure. 
you know? So and then it's you're like, inside of it. You just put the car in neutral and it just kind of drags you through the car wash. So I, you know, pull up, I pay, pay for the car wash. I uh, get on the tracks. I put the car in neutral. Uh, I'm inside the car wash mm-hmm. and, you know, it starts off. It's scrubbing, like bubbles. Scrubbing, you know, you get to that point where there's like a lot of soap. Oh yeah! Like in the middle of it, and it's like a. It looks like a big shaggy muppet is uh, wiping itself all over your car. Uh, right? Yeah. And you know when I'm, I'm in there, big shaggy muppet. The track stops. Uh oh. Not unusual. Not unusual. It stops sometimes. I mean, sometimes people, if they're not moving at the end, right. the track will stop, so it doesn't like. Usually, cause a pile they up. have workers hand drying your car with rags. Yeah. Maybe it's taking a little so bit. Who longer. knows what's happening? So yeah. nothing out the of the car ordinary. Stops. So far. Um, and then, but there's nobody in front of me. Right. So I'm like, I mean. Who knows? Maybe there's a, a pro. It's a new thing. Maybe That's right. a thing happened. Um, but then I notice that, uh, like, suddenly it gets really dark because I can see that at the end of the car wash, the doors close oh, no. at the end, and behind me, the doors close. Okay. Uh, Getting a little scary. Yeah. This, I'm like, okay, this. Because now it's probably pretty dark in there. Yeah. It's dark. Uh, and I'm like, this is. Okay, this is probably not a good scenario. Um, next thing I know, the car wash just like pops up out of the ground. It was on wheels. It's motorized. Oh my god! It starts driving down the street. It's a car car wash. Yeah, he drove the car wash oh, all the way oh here. Oh my god! That's what I came. I mean, my car never got fully washed. Uh, what the fuck? You it's paid still co- for it. It's still covered in soap. Yeah, he took my money. <laughs> I mean, I guess at least we have a ride home tonight. Oh, well, that is nice. I look forward to that. Um, Even if it is, well, I mean, it'll get us a nice air dry, but you're going to have soap scum. It's scum. You're going to have streaks. It's going to be streaky. It's going to be scummy. It's much like its driver. Yeah. (laughs) Streaky, streaky, scummy driver with a streaky, scummy car. (laughs) Um, That's bullshit, dude. Yeah. That adds a lot more layers to the song going to the car wash. <laughs> yeah. Where that was one of the little known verses that didn't didn't make it into the final cut. Could have been inspiration. Where the car wash closes up and drives away because it's wow. actually a car the whole time. Man, that is elaborate. I, yeah. I'm shocked that he had time to build a car car wash and also a big titty anime goth golf GF waifu pillow. I mean, if anything, he's like kind of stepping up his game because you know he built a whole amusement park ride yeah. catered to me. Uh, yeah. He's done this car wash thing. Yeah. Uh, he's got this waifu pillow for uh, you. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you mean. get it. Crazy. Well, listeners, that was our segment on how we got captured this week. I hope you enjoyed it. And For those um, of you still with us. For those of you still with listening. us. It's time for a surprise new segment. Oh, but dum drums, bum bum brums, bum bum brums, bum bum brums. He bad production. He got walrus body. He got Ohio State sideboards. He won lip smacker. He got feet somewhere below his knees. Hold you too close for comfort. This man has a disease. And he comes on leather right now. 
It's his fetish. <laughs> I'm actively masturbating onto a leather couch right now. That was a song parody. Uh, if you have a song parody you'd like one of us to sing during the show, email us at mrbunkerpod. Doesn't have to be about us or bunker. It could be about a person in your life. You just want us to deliver it. We'll do it. We'll sing a song parody for you. Um, that was a new segment. Hope you guys liked it. Anyway, Andy, it is time to not come on leather. Like you love to do. <laughs> yeah, it is my fetish. My fetish. <laughs> you know, I got a lot of those lyrics work really well for like yeah. parodying almost anybody. Yeah. Because you're literally just every lyric is he something. Yeah. So, hey, try it out, listeners. Yeah. Listeners, it's time to come together. Right now. It's right In now. this bunker. We'll count down and then everybody come together. Because, Andy, we have to discuss the Paul is dead. Um, conspiracy, the Paul is dead. Uh, rumor? I don't know what else you call it. I've been calling it a rumor. Yeah. This is a fun one. Don't, you know, you'll see. We're going to get, and we're also going to get to our verdicts. We're going to give you the whole enchilada. And then we're going we're gonna to give you our verdict on how plausible this is. Rumor conspiracy. We'll is. tell you what we think. We'll tell you what you think. Anyway, listeners, here is Paul is dead. Everybody's got something to hide, except for me and my monkey. Those iconic words were sung by the late, great John Lennon on the hit Beatles track, Everybody's got something to hide, parentheses, except for me and my monkey, close parentheses. From the violence-inspiring Beatles album, Everybody's got something to hide, except for me and my monkey. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. The album was called The Beatles, though some people do call it The White Album because of its white album cover. But, Andy, listeners, what if John Lennon did have something to hide? <gasps> what if, in fact, all of the Beatles had something <gasps> to hide? I know, Andy. It is known that The Beatles, the band, not the insect, was composed of four members. John Lennon, a.k.a. The brooding one. Paul McCartney, a.k.a. The cute one. George Harrison, a.k.a. The mysterious loner. And Richard Starkley, better known in Japan. Oh, I mispronounced that already. Already I cannot read, listeners. Let's take that back. And Richard Starkey, better known in Japan as Ringu. This, oh, that's where the sentence ends. This ragtag group of lads from Liverpool... Took the world of rock and pop music by storm, Andy. You might have heard of them. I've heard of them. They were a chart-topping phenomenon, selling better than any other band in history. Okay? You don't need to tell you guys that. You know, you, you know, it's the Beatles. It is also known that the Beatles, Andy, disbanded in 1970. They were only around for a decade. Some say, though, that the group hasn't been complete for a while. By 1970. For you see, dear listeners, 
Some people claim that Paul McCartney left the Beatles in 1966. Those people say that Paul, through the sorcery of a car crash, the sorcery, the magic, <laughs> was magically transformed into a corpse. People also believe that the Beatles drafted a faux Paul or Fall, okay. who is the world famous musician known today. The story goes that on November 9th, 1966, at 5 a.m., Paul angrily stormed out of a recording session for the Beatles album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Paul hopped in his Austin Healy, got into a car crash, was decapitated, and later passed away from complications related to headlessness. The band then replaced Paul with the winner of a McCartney lookalike contest. This lookalike is allegedly really named William Shepard or William Shears Campbell, a.k.a. Billy Shears, and was allegedly trained by the living Beatles to imitate Paul exactly. (laughs) Did the non-Paul Beatles decide to do this as a prank? Did they do it to spare the public the grief of Paul's demise? Was the whole plot organized by the UK security service MI5? Whatever the reason, listeners, theorists believe that the Beatles began to feel guilty about the ruse and started to leave clues in their music and album artwork. Now, you may be asking yourself, why does anyone believe this? And how did such a rumor get started? And is it true? Listeners, your instincts are incredible because that's just exactly what we want to discuss today. Now, let's start by talking about the origins of the story of Paul's death. Okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. On September 17th, 1969, the Drake University student newspaper... The Autumn of Love. (laughs) The Autumn of Love, not the name of the newspaper. (laughs) The Drake University student newspaper, The Times Delphic, published a story written by editor Tim Harper that asked the question in the headline, Is Beatle Paul McCartney dead? Wow, starting off strong. The, the, strong headline, right? Yeah. Before clickbait. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. <laughs> the story is the first published on the rumor of Paul's untimely demise. The article cited a number of clues from Beatles songs and album art that allegedly point to Paul's passing away into death. Uh, first, the change in musical style of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album released in 1967. You know, this sort of symbolizes the the death of the old Beatles and uh, emergence of this new iteration of the band. You know, Andy, you can maybe expand on this before that album for non-Beatles fanatics. They were kind of like a poppy, love songy boy band almost, right? Like a early 60s rock boy band, right? Would you, would, is that fair to say? Yeah, they started to turn before Sgt. Right. Pepper's, but they... You know, by the time Sgt. Pepper's, they'd stopped touring. Right. They were working exclusively in the studio. And they, had, they were making a concerted effort to, like, build out this album that, you know, the concept of it was that they had a new identity. Right. Um. So so that's that sort of symbolizes their their death, this this old image. Um uh, on the Sgt. Pepper's um, album cover, an open hand is raised above Paul's head and a left-handed guitar made of flowers lies on the grave in the front of the photo. The speculation is that the open hand is an ancient symbol of death. Uh, Paul is also a well-known Southpaw, hence the, um, uh, the flower arrangement. Uh, on the back of the album, George, John, and Ringo 
faced outwards looking at you. And while Paul has his back turned, George's finger points to the line Wednesday morning at five o'clock from the song She's Leaving Home. John's hands, which are tucked into his waistband, point to the line who who gain the world and lose their soul from within you or without you with it without you within you without you. Sorry, I have trouble reading sometimes. Art's a big Beatles fan. <laughs> Large paragraphs. <laughs> Ringo's hands are not really pointing at anything. They're clasped in front of him because that's just how he rolls. That's his style. <laughs> <laughs> but are behind the line running around. Uh, people running around. It's five o'clock from. Good morning, good morning. These lyrical clues point to the time of Paul's death and the date. November 9th, 1966 was a Wednesday morning after all, Andy. Yeah. In the album Centerfold. (laughs) Nice purr. Thank you. All members of the band are facing the camera, but Paul has a back patch on the sleeve of his coat. Another uh, supposed indicator of his death. You mean a black patch? Has a black patch. That's right. Okay. Um, that's right, Art. And and Tim Harper, uh, in his article, also provided clues from other Beatles albums. Okay. After Sgt. Pepper's, the next Beatles release was later in 1967's Magical Mystery Tour. On the album's cover, the band is dressed in animal suits wearing masks, obscuring their faces. Three members of the band wear white, while the walrus in front is black. Harper claims that a walrus is allegedly a Viking symbol of death. Hmm. The next album released was 1968's The Beatles, a.k.a. The White Album, which we mentioned earlier. In the White Album song Glass Onion, John sings the lyric, Here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. In other words, the black-clad symbol of death walrus from the Magical Mystery Tour album cover was Paul. Because he's dead. That makes sense. The White Album also has the track Revolution Number 9, which has a variety of sounds and clips in it, including what sounds like an automobile crash. At one point, a lone voice repeats, Number 9, over and over. If you play the snippet backward, the voice appears to say, Turn me on, Deadman. <laughs> On October 12th, 1969, Detroit, Michigan's WKNR-FM DJ, Russ Gibb. You know him, you love him. You love that guy, right? Discussed the Paul is Dead rumor on air with callers for about an hour. During the discussion, additional clues were suggested outside of what was printed in the Times Delphic piece. WKNR followed up on October 19th with a two-hour special program called The Beatle Plot. In between these two airings, though, on October 14th, 1969, the University of Michigan student paper, Andy, I know you love that one, Boo. the Michigan Daily, published an article by Fred Labour. Is that right? Or Labour? What do you think? Labour or Labour? You- I've been saying Labour. Labour. Okay, we'll go with Labour. You can AKA, call him Too Slim. We'll call him Too Slim. <laughs> As that was his, his, uh, that's his, his stage name. That's his stage name. Too Slim Labour. Titled, McCartney Dead, New Evidence Brought to Light. The article was ostensibly a satirical review of the recently released Beatles album, Abbey Road. However, the article did reveal new information about the mystery of Paul's missing life. 
including alleging that Paul was replaced by the winner of a lookalike contest, an orphan by the name of William Campbell. (laughs) (laughs) Labor also writes that the patch on Paul's jacket on the Sgt. Pepper's cover has the initials OPD, uh, which Labor says is used in the UK to denote officially pronounced dead. Labor says that the medal Paul's, Paul wears is given by the British Army to honor horrific... Or, uh, <laughs> horrific death. Horrific. Not horrific. Heroic death. Oh, oh. <clears throat> the article also points to lyrics from A Day in the Life, like, he blew his mind out in a car. A crowd of people stood and stared. They seen his face before. Another popular clue laid out in the article is one in which at the end of Magical Mystery Tours, Strawberry Fields Forever, John can be heard saying what sounds like, I buried Paul. <laughs> um, Labour also cites the Abbey Road album cover as a clue. And this this is kind of a, a common one, right? This yeah. You could say this is probably maybe one of the cornerstones. It's maybe of like the, the biggest clue. Yeah. Um, on the cover, the four Beatles are seen in a crosswalk outside of Abbey Road Studios where they recorded the album. Um, John is in the lead, followed by Ringo, then Paul, and then George. Uh, Labour says that Lennon, who is dressed completely in white, represents a anthropomorphic god. Um, Ringo, who is dressed in black, uh, represents the undertaker. Paul, not wearing any shoes... The three others uh, are all wearing shoes, but Paul is not wearing shoes. Uh, He has a cigarette in his right hand, and Paul McCartney is left-handed. This is sort of a a resurrected corpse. It represents Paul's dead corpse body. Yeah. Coming Uh, back. Coming back. Uh, George, who's wearing uh, all denim, a.k.a. a Canadian tuxedo, (laughs) is the grave digger. And in other words, the scene on the Abbey Road cover is of the three living Beatles assuming different roles in the procession, escorting the quote-unquote resurrected Paul out of the cemetery. That's right. And then later on October 21st, 1969, WABC, the New York City radio station, talked about Paul's possible death for an hour before the station manager came down to the station in his pajamas to pull the DJ off the air. The WABC broadcast was during the early morning hours and... During that time of day, the WABC signal could be heard in 38 states and sometimes in other countries. Looking at you, Canada. (laughs) About this time, U.S. reporters went to the U.K. to talk to the Beatles. John Lennon told them the rumor was, quote, insane. But he also said that it was good publicity for Abbey Road. Classic John. Classic John. Then, finally, a break in the case, Andy. (gasps) Oh! On October 24th, 1969, Paul McCartney did an interview with BBC Radio from his farm in Scotland. Soon thereafter, Paul's farm was visited by a Life magazine reporter and photographer. Paul got frickin' peeved. Yeah. And he cussed out the Life magazine representatives, which is kind of mean, but at the same time. Frickin' mean. They're bugging him. Yeah. Then Paul threw a bucket of water on them and okay. was captured in pictures trying to hit the photographer a little over the top, Paul. All right. Yeah. Calm down. Sir Paul realized, you know, that probably looks pretty bad. This could be bad press for him. So he had a change of heart. He allowed the Life magazine to take a photo of his family and sit for an interview on the condition that the photographer fork over the film of the offending photos. Mm, smart, smart move. Smart. 
the family picture of Paul, Linda, and the kids appeared on the November 7th, 1969 issue of Life. After this, widely popular interest in Paul actually being dead basically, well, it, it died. Oh. <laughs> Some people, though, maintain to this day that the Paul McCartney we now watch become enfeebled with advancing age is not the same Paul McCartney with whom we fell in love in 1964 and to whom we pleasured ourselves to uh, until too chafed to move. Andy? Uh, Okay. Uh, (laughs) All right, listeners. Go ahead and deny it. Listeners. uh, Listeners. (laughs) Now you know about the rumor that Paul died. Let's dig a little deeper, though, shall we? Let's do it. We don't want to leave any of this whole enchilada untouched by our probing forks. Of course not. Uh, I'd like to talk about some of the clues we've already mentioned, if if that's okay with you. Oh, Art. please be my guest, Andy. Uh, thank you. Uh, now, one of the <laughs> first clues we talked about here is that of the so-called left-handed flower guitar at the gravesite on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's. In the same vein, another supposed clue is that Paul holds a cigarette in his right hand on the Abbey Road cover. Now, while it is true that Paul played guitar and bass left-handed, some books written about the band, like Philip Norman's Shout. Shout out to Shout. Shout to Shout. uh, Some books claim that Paul is actually naturally right-handed and only played left-handed because it helped him play better. Hmm. Paul himself, if he can so be called... (laughs) However, maintains that he is naturally left-handed for everything. And I mean everything. Uh, Okay. Now, how about that black patch on Paul's coat on the Sgt. Pepper's cover? Uh, Too Slim claimed it said OPD, meaning officially pronounced dead. But what it actually said was OPP, meaning other people's pussy. Wait a minute. What? Oh, no, no. No, wait. Sorry, sorry. I got... Sorry. I shouldn't have said that. that was naughty. That was too naughty by Andy, nature. Andy, don't be naughty. That was, I'm just naughty by nature. <laughs> I. What it actually... What OPP actually means is Ontario Provincial Police. This was a patch from the Ontario Provincial Police. Okay. Um. So... Uh, We also mentioned uh, the lyric from the White Album's Glass Onion. Here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul, which supposedly lets the listener know that the black dead walrus from the Magical Mystery Tour album cover was Paul. John Lennon said that the walrus reference in the song I Am the Walrus, which was on Magical Mystery Tour, was based on the Lewis Carroll poem The Walrus and the Carpenter from the book Through the Looking Glass. For all you Lewis Carroll fans out there. Uh, John apparently thought that the walrus was the hero, hence originally naming himself the walrus. Then he decided the walrus was the villain of the poem, hence then why Paul became the walrus on the White Album. So, uh, listeners, if you'll also remember, uh, we mentioned the clue about a chap who blew his mind out in a car from A Day in the Life. That section of the song was inspired by Tara Brown, heir to the Guinness Fortune, and a friend to the Beatles who perished in a car crash. And if you'll recall, at the end of Strawberry Fields Forever, people claim John says, I buried Paul. John and others, however, say John is actually saying, cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce. Uh, The rumor of Paul's death and clue hunting in Beatles albums proved to be a hot, sexy trend. Oh, yeah. Gets us steaming. As the rumor grew, new clues became part of the tradition. Clues such as the license plate visible on the Abbey Road cover. The license plate reads L.M. 
W281F, which people misread as LMW28IF, which was interpreted to mean Linda McCartney weeps 28 if. (laughs) (laughs) The last part of which you should interpret as 28 if still alive. Tim Harper became briefly somewhat of a celebrity after the the Times Delphic article was was published and picked up by some larger papers. It's worth mentioning Tim Harper's source for this story, though. Tim Harper himself was not a Beatles fan. No, he was not. In fact, he heard the story from an associate editor at the Times Delphic. D'Artagnan Brown. I get that right? Yeah. Woof. Nice D'Artagnan job. Brown, who heard it either from a couple passing through Des Moines, where Drake Un- University is, or maybe while he was traveling in San Francisco. So regardless, this rumor had legs longer than the daddy long legs that lives under my bed. <laughs> Stuart. Well, Stuart. Stuart the daddy long legs. Yeah, I'll introduce yeah. you sometime. Okay. Good guy. Fred Labour, a.k.a. Too Slim, his story uh, for the Michigan Daily got picked up by newspapers all over these United States. All this despite the fact that Labour claimed to have made up some of the clues and information he presented in this article. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Labour manufactured the part about the lookalike contest and invented the name William Campbell. Later, clue hunters turned the name into William Shears Campbell, thus creating the clue that the Billy Shears referenced in Sgt. Pepper's was a reference to Paul's replacement. On November 30th, 1969, after Paul had appeared alive in Life magazine, WOR in New York broadcast um, a courtroom-themed TV show covering the rumor of Paul's death, hosted by none other than O.J. Simpson defense team member and later disbarred attorney Mm. F. Lee Bailey. During the special, Bailey cross-examined, whatever that means in this context, (laughs) so-called witnesses, witnesses to what exactly, I have no idea, (laughs) including Labour. In a meeting before the recording, Labour told Bailey that his article was meant to be a joke, and Bailey told him, Well, we have one hour of television to do, and you're going to have to go along with this. (laughs) At the end of the special, by the way, Bailey gave a super definitive conclusion by encouraging the audience to decide for themselves if Paul was dead or not. Ah, settling it for once and for all. that's right. Um, Listeners, so while the prevailing opinion seems to be (laughs) that the rumor of Paul's death and replacement by a lookalike is nothing more than a rumor... Could actual events have laid the groundwork for the belief in Paul's death? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Let's go back in time to January 7th, 1967. On this night, Paul McCartney's highly customized Mini crashed on the M1 motorway in the UK. Rumors quickly spread in the United Kingdom that Paul died in the car crash. Sound familiar? Mm. The rumor was soon acknowledged and denied by a Beatles fanzine, the Beatles book, in its February issue. Here's the real story, though, everybody. Here's the scoop. A London art gallery owner and a Moroccan student who was the gallery owner's assistant popped over to Paul's pad to party. Nice. Uh, Later on in the evening, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Brian Jones showed up. You might remember them from the UK rock group The Rolling Stones, who had some chart success across the pond in the USA. Uh, 
The group of revelers decided to move the party from Paul's house to the Mick Jagger residence. Mick had brought his mini and decided to give Paul a ride. Meanwhile, Paul loaned his mini to the Moroccan student who promptly crashed it on the ICM-1. Paul's car was so customized that it was easily recognized by passersby, who, which contributed to the spread of the rumor. Uh, the student, by the way, did not die. Well, in that car crash, he might be dead now. Well, don't, know. don't forget, Andy, on December 26th, 1965, Paul crashed his moped. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't forget that. Okay. He got a cut on his upper lip and chipped a tooth. Paul grew out his famous mustache to cover the scar, and the mustache actually was a supposed clue. According to Fred Labour, uh, the mustache was allegedly a Billy Shears Campbell contribution to obscure his not actually being Paul McCartney. Mm. Uh, at any rate, could the mini crash or the moped wreck have been the genesis of the rumors of Paul's death? Well, while it's possible... The dates of the actual crashes don't match the date of the supposed death of Paul. In fact, the date Paul supposedly died, November 9th, 1966, Paul and Jane Asher were traveling. They were in France and uh, and Kenya, November 6th through the 19th in 1966. I'll say this too, Andy. Okay. If Paul really did die, and we've been living in a post-Paul world since 1966... Faux Paul has a set of balls bigger than a dynamite satchel of pain. Wow, good Weedus reference there. <laughs> yeah, you know me. I always bring up Weedus references, my dude. <laughs> Look, I'm a teenage dirtbag. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, while the content of the album... Uh, I, sorry, I skipped a line. In 1993, Paul McCartney released an album called Paul is Live. An obvious play on Paul is dead. It's so easy. Why even bother? Why even bother? While the content of the album is live tracks recorded during Paul's New World Tour. New World Tour? Mm, sounds like some Illuminati stuff. Well, hey, let's we can mm. talk about that, right? Yeah. One day. Uh, the cover features a number of references to the Paul is dead rumor. The cover photo is the photo from Abbey Road with the Beatles and the taxi removed and other images added. On the cover, Paul's left foot is forward, putting him finely in step with the rest of the Beatles, and he's also wearing shoes and holding a leash in his left hand. The dog in the photo is Arrow, of course, named after Arrow, the dog from the hit Harry Nilsson cartoon and album, The Point, mm -hmm. which is a reference I may, would you totally make. You love making Wheatus and Harry Nilsson references yep. as often as you can. Mm -hmm. One of the descendants of of uh, Arrow is the dog in the photo. His name is Arrow is one of the descendants of Paul's sheepdog, Martha, which was the titular Martha from the song Martha, my dear from the white album. Oh, cute. The album cover also doctored the license plate uh, that became a clue in the Paul is dead rumor to read 51 uh, is in other words, Paul is alive and is 51 years old. Hmm. And now, sweet, gentle listeners, it's my chance to do something I've always wanted to do. Pretend to be F. Lee Bailey. <laughs> oh, boy. I invite you, consider the evidence we've presented here, and make up your own minds about whether or not Paul McCartney has actually been dead this whole time. 
Don't worry, though. Art and I will give you the whole enchilada, which includes our verdicts on this topic. That said, it's now time for me to do another thing I've always wanted to do and pretend to be the man himself, Paul McCartney, as I leave you with these inspiring lyrics from the song, Love Me Do. Love, love me do. You know, I love you. I'll always be true. So please, love me do. Whoa. Love me do. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, listeners, this is Andy. Real quick, this is not an ad. This is a compliment. If you're out there doing your taxes, good for you. Thank you for complying with the government's laws. If you feel inclined when you want to take a break, why not leave us a review on iTunes? We would really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and let's get back to the show. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. That was our research into the rumor conspiracy that Paul is dead. Wow. Andy, love me do. Can I just say, listeners, real quick, watching Andy with his dead Dead eyes stare deep into your soul as he says, love me do is something I hope everyone gets to experience one day. Listeners, get at us if you want me to come to your house and <laughs> not sing, but just plainly read Beatles lyrics to you. I can do too. It's me, Paul. How's my Paul? <laughs> oh, it's me, Paul. <laughs> it's Hello. Really I terrific. I can do too. Too. You gotta say it like this too. Then John's like these. Eh. And then I don't really know what Ringo or George sound like. And he's like, I've got the song going and the blind the drums. <laughs> Everybody knows Ringo from uh, Shining Time Station. Mm. Yeah. It's, here's the thing, listeners. If you're not a big <laughs> Beatles fan, obviously you know some Beatles. Every, I feel like most people, unless you're truly like Gen Z, you know some Beatles, right? Like. Um, you grew up hearing a Beatles song once or twice. If you're my age, you definitely saw across the universe like five times in theaters because all your friends in high school were theater kids and they were in love with that movie. And it was a good film. Um, but Andy, I, I gotta say this real quick before you, you're about to speak, but I'm gonna cut you off. <coughs> Andy, you're a, you're a you're a more well known Beatles fan. You have more. Not <laughs> if I'm famous for anything, it's you're, for my Beatles fan. I mean, you're infamous for a lot of things, a lot of really terrible <laughs> yeah, things. I'm one of the more infamous Beatles fans, like a lot of war crimes. Like, like the Beatles have asked me to stop listening to their music, yeah, not even just like showing it, but like break completely, don't listen to the music, even <laughs> try to stop liking it as an artist. I just really don't want thing. you associated with it. But you and your wife are almost music historians, her much more than I, her much more than you. Um. Amanda really has a ability to recall very detailed information about the Beatles, the Beach Boys, 
Um, what else are you guys obsessed with? That's it. With? Those are the only two things she no, knows. No, no, no. Uh, what's the other one? You're, you like Harry Nilsson. Yeah. Uh, the dude who wrote the Toy Story theme. Randy Newman? Randy Newman. Yeah. You guys know a lot about him. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, basically, if it's uh, pop music produced in the 60s and 70s in LA, then we probably know a little something about it. <laughs> um, it's truly incredible, actually, what how much you guys know. But I, I'm just kind of a... Um, You're a novice? Yeah, a novice fan. Like You're if, a noob? A noob. If I heard, you know, their more popular catalog... Of, you know, things like Hey Jude, Love Me Do, I've Just Seen a Face, Strawberry Fields, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Um, things like that, you know, I can point that shit out, but um, come together as I showed earlier. You know, I think for the people who think that they don't know the Beatles that well, you probably know it and you don't realize Something it. Something in the way Andy moves. Treats me Distracts like no me like. other creepazoid. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, smell, smell my poo. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, it's so juvenile, but I love it. Uh, smell, smell my poo. You know I got shit on you. I'll always shit too. So please smell my poo. Whoa, whoa, smell my poo. Paperback writer Eleanor Rigby. Uh, what's that one about a taxi? You can drive my car, baby. You can drive my car. That's a good one. Beep, beep. From Rubber Soul. There you go. Um, do you think people still listen to the Beatles? Yeah. Do you have an interaction with anybody in Gen Z? You're interacting with a lot of kids. <laughs> uh, I talk to a lot of uh, elementary school classes, yeah. And Do you uh, think people still like listen to the Beatles? I do. Uh, I think that it's, um, they, they became such a cultural touch point. Yeah. Uh, it's like a lot, of, a lot of the music from that era is kind of not in vogue anymore. And no. people people probably only know it really th- without realizing it through covers of like more modern by more modern or samples artists. even yeah sampling uh, especially like in like popular music today sampling is I mean yeah like it's 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 widespread oh yeah so a lot of these songs end up being sampled um, so people probably know it and they don't realize it but I think that the Beatles still maintain like a strong grip on public consciousness more so even than like the than like elvis oh much more who was also like a hugely popular like unbelievably popular oh yeah act like i mean the beatles have like staying power and it's truly incredible that this band only lasted a decade yeah and i think i for one didn't realize that i made that mistake in front of your wife actually and she called me out on it big time yeah that's her way um and but I think a lot of people maybe don't realize they just kind of maybe assume that they've just always kind of been around. But it's like, no, they lasted only about a decade. Yeah. The uh, and they started fighting like pretty early, pretty like late on in that decade and then fell apart like as bands do. It's kind of incredible given the personalities involved that they managed to stay together for that long. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they were all committed to like being successful. Yeah. But there's a lot of ego in that group. And oh. You know, ten years. Ten years is a long time. Yeah, 
for them to be together, in my opinion. But, you know, the thing is, they they broke up before they had a chance to, like, kind of, like, become obscure. That's true. Like, you, you, I mean, you're a I've well-known Beach Boys fan. The Beach Boys are still, I mean, I went and saw the 50th anniversary. The Rolling Stones are, like, still together. Yeah. But you said they it's better to burn out than to fade away. Yeah. You said that, not Kurt Cobain. Not Kurt Cobain. I said that uh, uh, originally. He stole that from me. You think it's better for a band to make a couple of really like quality over quantity because quantity starts to decline. I don't know if it's better. I'm just saying that I think that colors people's opinions that because right. like the Beatles had it's like you took a photograph of the Beatles, but you had to live with the Beach Boys. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, it's like, <laughs> it's like you go to Disney World. You're like, ah, that was great. Like, no matter what happens, you like have that good memory. Like, ah, it was great. Right. Terrific. But then it's like, you have to live with your family. Like, some days you're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> These people. You know, it's, yeah. the, that's the difference for me is okay. like, the Beatles got crystallized in time and, you know. You kind of forget that John was kind of a piece of shit and in a bit of an egomaniac. They at all times. are. They, they all, all are. are. Yeah. Was George a piece of shit? Yeah, sure. He was? Yeah, I'm sure of it. Ringo? Ringo was, yeah. Oh my god. They all are. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody that's good. No people are good. Right. All people are bad. Oh, jeez. But that Andy's in a mood. Look, you get into a lot of these discussions are where people say, "Well, this person did this thing and I don't think that I should like like their art anymore right and to me it's like if you start splitting hairs it's like the only the only good people are the people you don't know about yet right never meet your heroes right i mean so i think you just have never to meet like, us just yeah if we're, we're your heroes we ugh. first of all that's off to a bad start yeah. we should not be anybody's heroes yeah you gotta you gotta get your priorities we're straight. we're full-on charles barkley in this <laughs> that we are not role models and <laughs> if you meet us we're terrible knuckleheads <laughs> Even if, even if, <laughs> even if you have the terrible experience of meeting the two of us, it's, oh yeah. Even if we're your heroes, it. I mean, you're probably not expecting much. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a letdown still. Oh, we're gonna let you down hard. Let you down. And you're gonna walk away and you're gonna be like, man, those guys were terrible, and leave you flat. <laughs> gonna let you down and leave you flat. Beatles lyric right there. See, I don't. You have. I have to say this, listeners. I don't compliment Andy often. <laughs> Maybe I should. Maybe I should compliment him more. I'm not sure I disagree. Andy has an incredible ability to recall quotes and lyrics, uh, like something I've never seen. I don't possess this even in the slightest. But Andy can recall quotes and lyrics, very obscure things. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, I'm saying that normally when I'm talking to him, but yeah, like most people are, he truly has this weird ability to just bring up quotes and things. And I'll be like, yeah, I guess that was from that thing. Oh, I could make some references. Yeah. You're good at references. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good at creating original content or having an honest conversation with another human being. Emoting. Making references, I can do it, baby. <laughs> um, so people are probably, you know, and I know at times when we look at popular music, you think, God, now back in my day, I was listening to good old rock and roll guitars, live music, blah, 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 blah. Like there's this band, uh, Greta Van Fleet. You heard of the heard of this band? I think you heard of the controversy with this band. Uh, I don't know anything about it, but they're young. They're in their like they're they started in high school and they're probably in their early twenties so. at this point. I'd say maybe mm-hmm. mid twenties. 
they're essentially they sound one of the biggest controversies of them is that they sound exactly like Led Zeppelin. Okay. Like to the T, the singer is has that like you know that like that Robert Plant screech, all the guitars, the tone is very Jimmy Page bluesy um stolen guitar riff. <laughs> Rock, rock guitar <laughs> riff stolen from uh, obscure, there it is. obscure blues legends. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, they couldn't make the money. There's no reason Uncle Jimmy shouldn't. <laughs> that's man, That's another topic for another day. I don't really know if that's a conspiracy. That's not a conspiracy. That's just a fact. Yeah. Um, we already mentioned Elvis. Talk about stealing music from yeah. actual creators. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so this band... You know, they get a lot of flack from that. But then if you look at any of their videos online, so many of the comments are like, hell yeah, it's good to see young people still enjoy real music. It's kind of like, you know, you, you can't really always get in the um, Andy's adjusting his mic for you listeners. Sorry if you're hearing uh, the sounds of his uh, shirt. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll figure that out in post. Me breathing heavy into the... <laughs> 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 um, but anyway, you know, what I'm trying to say is that just because pop music nowadays doesn't seem like there's still generations of kids being inspired by rock music and Beatles music and going to learn how to play instruments and whatnot. And it's also not to say that pop music, pop musicians today also aren't very accomplished musicians. Like a lot of them can probably surprise you with how much they love and make music and play instruments. So. I don't really know what I'm going off on that. I'm just kind no. You, I know what you're saying. You're saying that that this these things are kept alive, right? Uh, like that, you listen to fucking like EDM or dubstep, and you're like, oh my god, these people. Like it's just you just a laptop, but it's like no, there's actual music theory and composition involved in that. In the yeah. same way that the Beatles would get together and compose music, it's just the um, instruments are s- synthesized. Yeah, I mean, simulated. I'm I'm the type of person that I just I don't get into synthesizers that much yeah like i mean i had a phase you know it's something like like owl city right well where it's just like one person like just it's like i don't know it doesn't do anything for me yeah you know it's like i like i like actual instruments and stuff right i do too and um i mean and i'll probably people will probably call me a hypocrite because it'll come out sometime that i like a song that's got synthesizers in it and I'm not saying they're all bad, right? But it's like I don't know. I like uh, I like actual like instruments and stuff. Yeah. Um, do you like that old town road song? I like that old time rock and roll. <laughs> that kind of music just soothes the soul. Oh Jesus. Um. Anyway, let's talk about the rumor, the conspiracy here. It has so much to stand on. Yeah. There's so much legs behind it. So much fact involved in this. Look, listeners. Don't be surprised. um, Yeah. I mean, we're probably getting the cart before the horse here, but I think you know where we're going with all of this. This is literally a example of confirmation bias, is it not? You know, <laughs> it's people saying something and then going to find references in the music that point to the thing they're saying. The thing that's really interesting is that <laughs> Paul had that moped crash in 1965 um, and wear a helmet. <laughs> he chipped his tooth. He got a big scar on his face. He grew out his mustache wear because a of it. helmet. Uh, you, you can dummies. see in in um, like a couple of the videos immediately after like his chipped tooth in the videos. Yeah. And I can't remember which songs, but uh, there's a couple of like videos that they did, promotional videos. 
at the time that's like what a music video was it was a promotional video uh <laughs> for the song rather than like a music video that wow. the genre wasn't really well defined at the yeah. time but um if you if you have a chance to watch any of these promotional videos for like like uh like 60s rock bands and stuff i say go for it cuz it's I, usually really wild. Like, I love the Who on Smothers Brothers. That might have been a little bit later. Yeah. Where they destroy the set. Oh, oh yeah. You ever seen that one? Yeah. They just fucking annihilate it. That's their thing. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, you love the Who. I like the Who. If I have to pick a British invasion band, uh, the Who. Easy. Hands down. Yeah. What an incredible talent just oozing out of that fucking band. Yeah. I mean, generationally, like inspiring drummers a bassist john entwistle was like also didn't john entwistle die in the like his 50s because he started doing cocaine like very late in life i could be totally wrong about that and then there's just uh robert daltrey who's like i don't really do any drugs or do anything bad and i'm pretty healthy (laughs) (laughs) and then there's pete townsend who's still alive fucking incredible songwriter incredible guitarist revolutionary all of them keith keith moon i mean what the fuck dude like you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, no, I get it. That's my pick. Second is Rolling Stones. Third is the Beatles. Wow. Yeah. You heard it here first. That's my British Invasion and then the Kinks after them. Wow. That's my that's my Rushmore. Kinks considered British Invasion? I think so. Huh. Yeah, that's my that's my Rushmore. What about you? That's my, my Mount British Invasion more. British British Invasion Mount me more. Yeah. Um Wow, I didn't, uh, I didn't have this list prepared. You got to come up with it off the dome. So top four, yeah. Um, I guess I'll say, uh, my number one. Counting them down, number one. Um, I guess I'll, I guess I'll give it to the Beatles. Okay. Um. I think that I'm going to flip-flop you. I don't really know if this is a... In a way. I don't really know if this is a nom... Like, or... If this is like a ranking. It's just more of your Rushmore. Yeah. You get four. So maybe this is the stupidest thing ever. So we just did naming four. Because there's only like three. The Beatles. (laughs) I find rank them. I don't Uh, give a shit. (laughs) Just say some bands. The Who. Okay. Um, Wow. I don't know that much about the Rolling Stones. Wow. If I'm You're not a Stones guy? No. Yeah, you never play guitar. Yeah, I don't. I think if you play guitar, you feel a little bit more about the Stones, because you, you play so many of their riffs. Um, it's got fun tunings. Like they have, a, there's like an open, I can't remember what song. It's like an open D tuning that's really fun. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably come out of left field on this one. You've got um, one left. Wait, what did I say? You've you've said the Beatles, the Who, the Stones. Um, I'm not sure that the Stones are on the Rushmore for me. Wow. Um, how about uh the Zombies? Don't. I'm I'm sure I could maybe guess a song of theirs. She's not there. She's not there. She's not there. Oh, won't you tell me about the way she looks, the way she acts, and the color of her hair? The Hollies? Uh, 
bus stop under my umbrella. Yeah, Herman's Hermits. I'm Henry the Eighth. I am Henry the Eighth. I am. Boy, I, am. I hope we have some UK listeners who are just like, I've been waiting for this content. <laughs> And while everyone else is just like, jeez, fuck this. <laughs> Maybe they're not. Yeah, the rest of the world hates it. Yeah. Only UK loves it. Oh, um, all right. Back to this topic here. You know, here's the thing. The Beatles are, is this fair to say the Beatles were pretty selfish? They're egotistical. They're rock stars. Of course they are. They're all like that. You know, while we, while researching this, I read a quote from John Lennon where he said that they compared to Jesus. Yeah. Got in trouble for it. Yeah, they did. But Paul said that, uh, or John said that Paul was uh, actually a really like innovative and great bass player. Sure. And that he was very humble about it. And I'm paraphrasing here, but John basically said that Paul was an egomaniac about everything else, (laughs) but he was surprisingly humble about (laughs) His bass playing. Well, I mean, is it fair to say that the Beatles weren't always regarded for their um, complex instrumentation, but it was truly their singing and their harmonies that were like, they were fucking legendary with that shit. Well, I think here's the thing is they're all like really competent musicians. They're all competent, of course. And they cut their, they cut their teeth playing like live Live. shows. They were like a cover band, right? And it's like, like the first album, Please Please Me, they did that. They recorded the whole album in 40 minutes. That's incredible. Like that's, I mean, it's incredible, but they had like a command of their instruments. I mean, like, I don't know. They that, can actually play. They can't just, you know, it's not just a one magic take yeah. that, that, and then some record producer comes and EQs it and makes it sound fucking incredible. But I mean, like, you know, Paul had, but like, they were some incredible singing playing. Yeah. They were great singers, good yeah. songwriters, they had great harmonies. I mean, George was a very talented guitar player, songwriter. The point I'm trying to make is I think it's fair to say that they're rock stars. They're egotistical. Yeah. They're selfish. All of them in their own ways. Right. This theory assumes that the Beatles are so egotistical. They are so selfish that they buried their friend and replaced him to keep the band going for a few more years before it would fall apart anyway. And they wouldn't speak to each other for a long time. Or, 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 though, let me play devil's advocate here. Okay. Did they do it because they wanted to spare the worldwide public, adoring Beatles fans everywhere, the grief of Paul's death? No, I don't think they did because I don't think they they really gave a shit. I don't think they gave that much of a shit about their fans because a few years after that, they stopped touring, which is like they stopped. They don't want to like they got pissed because their fans would they the Beatles stopped touring shortly before Sgt. Pepper because the uh the rest of the band besides Paul were getting so annoyed that people were singing so fucking loud because they loved their music so much and they were singing so loud they couldn't hear themselves playing mm-hmm. and they were like touring isn't fun playing live isn't fun anymore Paul was like no that's a staple of who we are we need to keep touring everyone else said no um which started really what caused the rift between the Beatles I think I would argue um was that this touring stuff and then just they wanted to do different things creatively yeah, I think they were already on different paths like once they got to be famous. But like that's my opinion is that they already start to be on their different on different paths. But 
I mean, what's your take on that? Like, you really think they're so egotistical that they wouldn't just be like, yeah, like they would do that, that they would do that? No. They would keep their band going? No. In a few years, even though they would break up anyway? (laughs) I mean, if I'm being honest, like if Paul would have actually died, they might have stayed together longer. Like, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, They would have replaced him with Eric Clapton or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what, isn't that what they said that like, Man, the Beatles have said so many mean things to each other. Um, but they were going to replace George Harrison with Eric Clapton because George and Eric were friends, or was it? Uh, yeah, was that how it went? Yeah, they were friends. And like George took that as a slight because you know it's like basically saying like we're going to replace you with a better guitar player, and that was George's kind of thing was being a. I hope that I've got this in the right order. Guitar player. Uh, <sighs> Amanda's going to be pissed. Wait, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like. All right, up. you look that up real quick. Um, um, I'll talk a little bit about, um, there's actually a really interesting YouTube video. I think you should watch about if Yoko Ono really broke. Cause I think that's the classic thing is Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles. And while I think that John bringing his girlfriend to recording sessions in which the Beatles used to never bring anybody in yeah. caused a bit of a riff. I don't think it was necessarily Yoko Ono's fault entirely because her significant other is being like, hey, I want you to come to this thing. And she's kind of sitting there awkwardly like, I don't really want to be here. Other people don't want yeah. me here. Yeah. What's the. Yeah. People blame her, but it was his fault. Now, in her own right, you know, <laughs> whether you think she's a talented musician or not. I mean, you know, and I'm not sure what she's done with the copyright music of the Beatles or like, you know, all that other yeah, stuff after all the their legal. deaths. But um, anyway, here's what I was going to say. Clapton and George Harrison. Uh, George Harrison was married to Patty Boyd. Eric Clapton was in love with her. Oh. Um, after George and Patty divorced, Patty and Eric got married. <sighs> um, That's a triangle. Patty Boyd, the inspiration for the songs, the Beatles song, Something, written by George Harrison. Oh. And the- I love that song. Uh, the songs, uh, the Eric Clapton penned songs- Layla and Ooh. Wonderful Tonight. Dude, I was going to make a joke that she was Layla and she's actually the inspiration for Layla. Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know yeah. that. I just wanted to make sure that I got Layla! it. Layla! Yeah, that's Patty Boyd. Got me on my knees. That's a great guitar song. Yeah. If you're out there learning how to play guitar, I love Lay Layla. Even better is the 90s acoustic version that Eric Clapton put out, which was so necessary. And Layla. So he released that when he was, uh, didn't the birds release that? Cause he was on the birds, right? You're, uh, I'm getting confused. You're thinking of the yard birds, the yard birds. There's something in the dominoes. Derek and the dominoes. Derek and the dominoes. Mm-hmm. They released that. Yeah. I like cream. Cream is a good band. Yeah. I Israeli th- gears. I think that, that whole fucking album is really good. I think Layla was Woo! the Derek and the dominoes. Crossroads. Uh, there's a couple other songs in there I really like. Um, for all the for all the Sunshine. real Eric Clapton heads, you probably love the uh, 2004 Eric Clapton Brian Wilson <laughs> collaboration, uh, City Blues. <laughs> Check it out on Brian Wilson's album, Getting In Over My Head. You know the Beatles were impish and whimsical little lads. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Did you write that down? Yep. Okay. I wrote that note down. Good. 
they like to have fun and pull pranks and shit and troll and be trolls to the media. They they were they were people don't realize that they were literally like a young boy band. Yeah. When they first started getting really famous. And let's talk about the trolling for a little let's bit. Let's talk about the trolling. Because I think that plays It does play into that it. plays into this. A lot of clues came from song lyrics, specifically that John Lennon wrote. Yeah. And John he Lennon loved John Lennon thought it was ridiculous how much people read into the songs the Beatles created. Yeah. He's the, the one who compared them to Jesus. Yeah. He said that. Yeah. And got everyone in a tiff and he was like half joking. Yeah. So he or trying to make a point. It's like a lot of the stuff that people uh, and and I'll say this like more thoroughly with just Beatles lyrics in general. A lot of people try to um to put a lot of like hidden meaning and stuff into the things that they were writing. Right. Generally, it's not there. Like right. it's either they wrote nonsense just to try to like make you think something or it's probably about drugs. It's probably about doing drugs. Like, or it's just like, hey, this rhymed well. It's like, um, it's like, uh, I, I'm Amanda and I have this discussion before. Is that like when she's trying to get you ready for bed? Like, yeah, that's how she calms me down. <laughs> uh, have this discussion with me. That and the straps. Yeah, they help. <laughs> and the drugging, the forced druggings. Uh, but I need it. Oh my goodness. Uh, the the Beatles get a lot of credit for their like songwriting, and they deserve it. They deserve like, it. Great songwriting, but. As lyricists, like, I think they get probably more credit than they deserve. Mm. And, like, a lot of people find, um, you know, in contrast, like, Beach Boys lyrics to be pretty simplistic. But in actuality, it's like there's typically a, a double meaning between. I mean, I'm not going to say that the Beach Boys wrote lyrics that were, like, super artistically uh, elusive or something, that they're great poets. But, um, I mean, I think for the most part, Beatles lyrics are kind of just what they are. Like, yeah. If, you know, whatever your gut tells you it is, that's probably what it is. And if your gut tells you it doesn't make any sense, it probably was supposed to be that way. And I think a lot of these clues, like, you know, like the walrus, you know, it's like in a magical mystery tour, John says, I am the Eggman. I am the Eggman. I am the walrus. It's like he was into like Lewis Carroll. Like it's the Eggman. The walrus. It's all stuff from or Lewis Sonic Carroll. the Hedgehog. Yeah, yeah. Whichever came first. <laughs> yeah, chicken. It's a real chicken <laughs> or the Eggman situation. Um, and so then it's like you get to Glass Onion, and he's like the walrus is Paul. I mean, you know, it depends on what interview you listen to. Like specifically, the interview we reference where Paul says that he realized the walrus was the villain. Uh, that was from a Playboy interview where he's like, oh. That's why he didn't want to be the walrus anymore because he realized he wasn't the walrus because the walrus was the bad guy. Mm. Um, but in the in the poem is, are you familiar with the walrus and the carpenter? No. So the walrus and the carpenter. Hit me with a little Chronicles of Narnia. I'll say, give me some Turkish delight, baby. All Let's right. Fucking get reading. All right. I'll I'll lay down some. Aslan, you can you. fucking land that shit right on my dick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Aslan. I've been to a lot of uh, private Christian schools and. You better believe C.S. Lewis is a part of every curriculum. Yeah. So much Christian imagery. Yeah. But good stories anyway. Anyway, sorry. Go so ahead, the, Andy. So the walrus and the carpenter, um, the walrus and the carpenter are walking along the shore and they're like, they get misty eyed because they realize they can't clean all the sand off the beach. Um, now, why do they want to do that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly. I don't think it's really like critical. Okay. But that's how it starts. Beaches are normally sandy. They come into contact with some oysters 
Mm-hmm. And they encourage the oysters to get out of the bed, out of the oyster bed and come walk with them and talk with them on the beach. Hmm. And so the oysters all follow them. Uh, not all of them, but a large number of oysters follow them. And then uh, they end up eating the oysters. Like once they get further down the beach. Oh. And, um, you know, a lot of some there's speculation about what Lewis Carroll was really trying to get at. Um, you know, I think a lot of times... I mean, I don't know. Lewis Carroll, maybe one where there's not as much. I don't know. I don't know that much about it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It might be more of a face value thing. But some people say, literally here's what I thought was interesting. Some people say the walrus is supposed to uh, represent the Buddha and the carpenter is supposed to represent Jesus Christ. That makes sense. So they lead all the little oysters away from their oyster bed and then devour them. Now, the carpenter eats the oysters. Yeah, they both do. Wow. Why are they devouring them? That's that's how it goes. So Tweedledum and Tweedledee tell Alice this poem in uh, Through the Looking Glass. And then afterwards they ask her who they thought, who she thinks is worse. Who was more wrong, the walrus or the carpenter? What does she say? She says she thinks that it's the carpenter because she thinks that the walrus at least felt bad because the walrus makes some remark about... You know how terrible it is that they're eating all these oysters? Yeah. But then um, they rebut that by saying that the walrus covers his face with his handkerchief so he didn't know how many he ate. The implication- This is a reference for you and I. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the walrus for (laughs) sure. And you're the carpenter. And we're leading all our little listeners. We're going to eat you. We're We're going to eat you, listeners. We're going to eat you. And I'm not even going to keep track. I'm just going to keep (laughs) you- At least Art's going to record your names. I'm just going to eat you up. Andy loves seafood, so you're fucking mm-hmm. nice shit out of luck. I eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does this look like a man? <laughs> Tis no man. Tis a remorseless eating machine. <laughs> There's a reference I get. Does this look like a man? Does these sound like the actions of a man who had all he could <laughs> eat? I do love that episode, too. <laughs> That's a fun episode. Um, listeners, if you could pick out all of Andy's Simpson references in the script, tweet at us. <laughs> tweet us a list of every reference we made. Well, as you know, if you got them all. Um, okay, so what we're trying to establish here anyway is that the Beatles were trolls. They loved it. Of course they played into this. Of course they did. They thought this was funny and stupid. Um, and I'll say this. I don't think they even played into it that much. I don't think they did. You know, what really was going on at the time is that when Abbey Road came out, they were already really at loggerheads oh, in the band. Things things were on the way out. They were barely together. I mean, un, unbeknownst to everybody, Paul was- People had been quitting the band for months before that and rejoining. Yeah, John was John was already planning to leave, and yeah. Paul surprised everybody and preempted that mm-hmm. and left. John was like, well, fuck you, I'm going to do for Earth. And so, Paul does, you know, Paul was like upset- with George had quit the band. He went to his farm in Scotland and really all he was trying to do is like disconnect for a while, like Mm -hmm. take a break. Um, He described it as he'd been switched on for 10 years and he never really switched off. And now he was trying to switch off some more. So he went to his farm in Scotland and he was just quiet. Um, You know, he himself said he used to do an interview a week in the press just to keep his name (laughs) In the papers. Wow. <laughs> Which, I mean, talk about ego, right? Um, but then he he stopped doing that. So it just helped. You know, f- somehow this rumor caught on for some reason in 1969 in college campuses. 
you know, like for some reason in the U S it got big in 1969 and it just all, it was sort of, people saw it, like you said, confirmation bias. Paul was more withdrawn from public life. So people thought he did now. Now, why did people think that he had died three years before and now this is happening? Like, wouldn't it make more sense that he died in like 1969? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's talk about that. So they found a guy, they found a guy who can impersonate Paul to a T. He was the winner, suppose, I mean, according to Fred Labore, which he made this up completely. Which he has stated, I made this up. He's 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 fully honest about that. He just, he was writing a humor piece. Yeah. And so he just, I mean, he made stuff, it's parody. Yeah. He was just doing a parody. He wrote a, a satirical review of Abbey Road and he threw in all this stuff uh, for fun because he didn't think it was serious. Uh, and, but people took it serious. They found a guy who looks like Paul. Right. Winner of a lookalike contest. An, an orphan from Edinburgh. Okay. I believe it. You could, There's lookalikes. People have doppelgangers all the time. Okay. Now, this You guy, know what it reminds me of? What does it remind you of? ACDC. That's a good point. Brian. They essentially found a Bon, bon Scott. Bon Scott died. Died. And they, Brian Johnson then was like, he was in an ACDC cover band. Yes. But- he still was a little different. The, the sound of the band does change. ACDC gets a lot of flack for always having the same drum beat and the same riffs. <laughs> every every song. Every- which in a way is true. <laughs> I, I read it described once by a music critic as like one of their later albums where it's like, oh, it's a great album to listen to if you want to see a band who hasn't developed anything for, <laughs> hasn't changed their sound at all for 20 plus years, but does it very well. Legends of rock and roll inspired countless people. I'm not, you know, they found something that works and they stuck with they it. They have a thing that they do. I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know, that fucking drum beat and <laughs> the same... <laughs> Banner, yeah, <laughs> power chords, you know. Anyway, he's there's still a little bit of a different sound, I think, mm-hmm. with um, Brian Johnson versus Bon Scott, and, and I think you know you listen to a song like TNT, and then a song like um, Back in Black, Back in Black, or Thunderstruck, or Dirty Deeds. A lot of these songs, you know, there's it feels different. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so they find this guy who looks exactly like Paul. Okay, so this guy not only not looks exactly. like Paul, he needed, like he needed Paul. minor plastic surgery to complete the illusion. <laughs> so the story goes. Okay. Uh, listeners, if you want to read Fred Labore's... minor plastic surgery in 1966. If you want to read Fred Labore's article, it's it's going to be linked in the uh, in the show notes, okay. in the research. So, I mean, you can go out there and read it. So he gets minor plastic surgery mm-hmm. with no visible scarring. That's why he grew the mustache. That's why he grew the mustache, I guess. Because yeah. the only scarring he to had help. was on his lip. Right, to help to help just offset the whole thing. He sounds like Paul. He sings like Paul. The Beatles trained him to do that. The Beatles all trained him within a matter of who knows how long. He plays like Paul, and then he went on to have a also he his contributes, own career he and contributes music <laughs> yes. to the band. Like that's part of the thing. Some random <laughs> schmuck off the street went on to write Hey Jude. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I'm amazed. And written by I'm amazed. written by an orphan. Band on the run. <laughs> yep. Written by an orphan. I mean, maybe to Andy's point of view, m- the reason why most of Wings sucks is because it's not Paul. Because it's you're not, not a Wings yeah. fan. I I have I I mean, Andy, Paul, Andy, you can't get out of this. Paul's one. solo career. You told me you didn't like him. Paul's solo career to me is like marked by like 
really high points. Okay. And really low lows. And like a vast majority of absolute mediocrity. <laughs> okay, why? If there's Wings fans out there who want to fucking get in, Andy. Come on, get at me. Get at him. He'll fight you. <laughs> oh, he's charged up. You know, am I supposed to believe that? Like, That's what I'm saying. It's good that John died because he would have had Paul. He would have been making a bunch of mediocre music. That's the path he was on. It's good that he died. Um, wow. If you go, if you want to check out something really wild, uh, check out the Harry Nilsson album, Pussycats, uh, which is a collaboration between Harry Nilsson and John Lennon in the 70s. Uh, they're basically, they became friends because they both like to do drink and do drugs together. So Mm-mm. it's a trip. Um, you know, I, I just don't buy that, that you can find. I mean, there are lots of good Beatles um, cover bands. American English is really good. The Fab Four is good. Um, those are the only two I know off the top of my head that I've I've seen American English live. Badfinger <laughs> is, bad, is Badfinger a Beatles cover band? No, they were just like I think if if I remember the story right, they're like the first band that Apple signed. Oh, and like I don't know, Amanda's got like a demo of uh, Paul doing that song. Um, if you want it, here it is. Come and get it. Ooh. You know that song? Yeah. Like, she has a demo of Paul doing it, and then it's like, when you listen to the Badfinger version, it's like, oh, this is, it's the same. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't, was Paul in Badfinger? <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm calling, I'm just saying that. You're just jokingly That's saying that Badfinger was yeah, that's just me being... They do an incredible job, and they train themselves to sing, play, talk like Paul McCartney and all the other members of the Beatles. And it's really incredible what they do. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they don't also look like them and like are able to then also write their own Beatles-esque music. Like, yeah. You know, it's just too much. It's too much. Well, you know, Art, I'm actually going to I'm going to jump into one of my favorite roles again as devil's advocate. OK. And say that's part of the rumor, though. Right. Is right. that the music style changed. That's true. And some people say maybe it's a good thing that Paul died and that uh, William Campbell came into the band because it took them to a new and better place. Are now, are we saying that's what happened when they went off to India and. And hung out with the Maharishi and they studied Hare Krishna. Uh, they were th- trained. They were actually, that was a cover to train this William Campbell how to, uh, no, how I, to play, how I, to play the sitar. I believe they, <laughs> they had already been to, um, the mountaintop retreat with the Maharishi by the time that Paul would have died. Like they would have been back from that. See adventure. Well, then that's what inspired, I think the change in, Sergeant Pepper's though, right? That's why Sergeant Pepper's is such a weird fucking album. I think it was just more like uh the, the psych- drugs. The psychedelia of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of times the Beatles were really good about like staying up to date on what like trends were. And they had such a big platform that they could like make wholesale changes in the like pop music space just by what they were doing. You know, whereas like I think for like psychedelia, like the stuff like Sgt. Pepper's, the groundwork's already there. They're picking up on this trend and they're exploring it. So, you know, to say that it's like 
it's like something that they invented. I don't think is is wholly uh, true. Oh, I, well, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying they invented it. I'm that's what you said. Those were your words. Why? Those were your words. Man, that's crazy to think that it, they were like fucking 28 years old. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I'm such a failure by comparison. <laughs> hey, you're telling me. I'm over 28. Like, <laughs> I left 28 behind a long time ago. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that makes me feel terrible. And I'm sitting myself. in a... Doomsday Preppers bunker talking about <laughs> way more successful people than me. With a guy you don't even like. I can't stop getting captured. <laughs> oh, you're the walrus. <laughs> you're the blue kazoo. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. What Mr. That. Blue. Hmm? What? There's a blue guy, right? In There's something blue really. Alice in Wonderland? No, nah, in the Beatles. There's the, mis- there's the walrus and there's something blue, right? I'm mean Mr. Mustard. Mean Mr. Mustard. Is that who you're thinking of? That's who you are. All right. Mean, I mean, uh, what you're mm, going to say? No, I was just going to keep singing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on with the show. Mean Mr. Andy is going to try and sing. He. Uh, I don't know, Andy. Is there anything else you want to bring up for this? I, there's not. There's really not a lot to work off of on this one. You know, we got some. I got some other fun treats I want to sprinkle in. Okay. I want to talk about. But as far as the conspiracy goes, do you want to get to our verdicts? I, guess I, I mean, I think I think one thing about it is just that it was so easy to find clues. Like basically any reference to a car or somebody dying <laughs> yeah. in a Beatles song became a clue. <laughs> Which are so, common items. You know, people liked, I think people enjoyed like flipping the record and listening to it backwards mm. and like that kind of stuff people liked doing. And so it was fun. And it's like, it's stuff that, I mean, it's totally people did that for the satanic panic too. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, it's just metal albums backwards. It's like people, people come up with these things that it's like, Oh, well this was never intended to be done this way. There was no forethought. The license plate. I mean, what a fucking stretch that is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. L L M W, you know, 28, one F one F. And then people think, read it as if 28 if if he was still alive it's like yeah you know you're really stretching yeah a lot of these a lot of these are that way it's a stretch like like if you if you hold a mirror up to some of the album covers some of the things look like other things like there's this one where it's like the beatles like the name like the word beatles on the magical mystery uh tour album cover is like if you hold a mirror up to it it looks kind of like a phone number but nobody <laughs> Nobody can actually read exactly which phone number it's supposed to be. But then, you know, people are like, well, if you call the number, you'll get information about Paul's death. Like <laughs> that it's some number in the UK. So it's just like, it's but just a bunch somebody of. Somebody set all these traps. Yeah. Like, uh, so it's like. And I, this guy, this William Campbell Shears, William Billy Shears Campbell has never said anything. He's just continued to live as Paul McCartney his whole life, touring live and doing whatever he wants. He's doing great. Yeah. He's doing great for himself. Just living the life. And like you said, uh, he's got a pretty big set of cojones to like just put it out there and mock the whole thing in yeah. 1993. I mean, I guess he figures by this point he's made it. <laughs> so that's well, all I'll say. Listeners, we've made it uh, to the verdict section. Oh, time for our classic segment where we give our verdict on the plausibility of this conspiracy. Andy, be my guest. <laughs> Art. Um. Lately, I've been on a tear. Andy, I'm amazed the way you've been on a tear for so long. 
<laughs> Thanks. Andy, I'm amazed at the way I see you. Through your eyes? Yeah. You're amazed by- <laughs> it eyes. is the eyes, the human eye, truly amazing. Um, and today is uh, is going to be no different. Is Did Paul McCartney actually die in the past and we've been living uh, with a replacement Paul? Case closed. Wow. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, shock. No, it's false. It's yeah. false. Case closed for me. Like, I mean, you know, I think that I'll say this, though. We said this similar thing about the Flatwoods monster. Mm. This is kind of fun. It's a fun one. Like The Beatles the cl- had fun with it. The clue hunting is kind of fun. But like, Paul's not dead. No, he's alive. He never he never died. Nothing about it. Nothing about it reeks of uh, truthfulness or convincing. It all just reeks of like of what Fred Labore he was making a joke and he people took it way too serious. Like way too serious. So that's my. I mean, a quick verdict from me. Case closed. And you know what? Andy Lane is in my ears and in my heart, and he's singing "Ooh la dee, ooh la da." You know what? And I, while my guitar gently weeps, I'm in a yellow submarine saying. Let it be, because here comes the sun. That was yesterday, and I just want to hold your hand, Andy, and twist and shout at the blackbird saying, case closed. (laughs) Wow. Listeners, we have been on a journey. (laughs) Because you know what? We don't need Paul is dead. All we need is love on this long and winding road that we call life. The two of us here in the bunker... In my life, Andy, it's hello and goodbye because you know what? Mr. Bunker loves you. And there's a revolution. <laughs> You're going to get all my loving. Oh. You're going to get all my verdict. Oh, okay. Because I feel fine. Case closed. <laughs> we can work it out. And if you don't agree with it, we can work it out. I got Norwegian wood in my pants with a little help from my friends. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. <laughs> Don't let me down, Andy. Because I see you standing there. <laughs> I think that's every fucking Beatles song. That's all of them. Hey, Jude. I dig a pony. <laughs> oh, God. So your verdict is case closed. Yeah, case closed. <laughs> case closed. Andy, now that I've said almost every Beatles song, I'm going to give you a hard fucking question. Your favorite Beatles song. The listeners want to know. So do I. What's your favorite Beatles song? Um, well, I think all time you got to pick number one. Okay, my favorite Beatles album. No song. Oh, hold on, I'm getting there. Mm-mm. My favorite Beatles album of all time <laughs> all right, is Revolver. Okay. Um, to me, that's my that's my favorite. Helter Skelter. <laughs> no, Helter Skelter's in the White Album. Oh fuck. But Revolver. What'd you say? Oh, you said Revolver. Revolver, <laughs> tip to tail, I think is 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 the best sausage in the bunch, and. Um, you know, I think the song I like best from Revolver is actually a Paul McCartney song <gasps> and, uh, so I, if I, you know, ask me, ask me any day and I might waffle on this a little bit, mm, you, know, be surprised. you know, how I know you wouldn't be surprised by that because I never commit to anything. <laughs> Um, sorry, Amanda, but, um, I think that I'll say that my favorite song is, um, come on, Andy, let the listeners know. 
All right. I'm just going to go for it. Uh, what's the name of it? Oh, gee. She, uh, she doesn't need you. She came in through the bathroom window. She came in through the bathroom wall. A large, she was a large glass of red liquid. She, nobody tells her she's the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a good one. Oh, for no one, of course, for no one. Wow. Embarrassed my uh, self on that one. For no one. She came in through the bathroom window, protected by a silver spoon. But now she pours the red liquid out of her head, cranium, her body, (laughs) by the banks of her own lagoon. I don't know. All right. So what was yours? For no one. For no one. How does that one go? Um, you wake up, you make up, you take your time and don't feel, she wakes up, she, um, okay. Um, as you can tell, listeners, I'm great with lyrics. uh, I'm lying. I've never heard the song before. Andy, you're making me look like a fucking fool. Your day breaks, your mind aches, you find that all the words of kindness linger on. When she no longer needs you, she wakes up, she makes up, she takes her time and doesn't feel she has to hurry, she no longer needs you, and in her eyes you see nothing, no sign of love behind the tears cried for no one, a love that should have lasted years. Um, Andy, that's kind of a downer. Yeah. I like sad music. You like sad music. I like sad music. We couldn't be more different because my favorite Beatles song is I've Just Seen a Face. (laughs) Another Paul McCartney. Yeah. Song. I like how it's up tempo. I like the happiness of it. Uh, I like the chords. It's a fun song to play on guitar. Art, I have seen the late Leon Russell in concert multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I think every time he did uh, I've Just Seen a Face. Wow. And it's a... Toe tapping, fun song. I've just seen a face. I, I can't, can't forget, forget the time or place where we just met. She's just, just the girl Andy for me. me. <laughs> I want all the world to see we've met. Ay 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 ay. It's a fun song. Hauling, yes, I am hauling. I'm a long haul truck driver, <laughs> and I'm hauling again. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's a great fucking song and uh it's fun it's poppy it's fun to play on guitar it's my favorite yeah something though close second i think something is a really beautiful song it's a george harrison song oh yeah and uh, um from the same uh from the same era let's just say uh here's a paul song i like a lot hello goodbye right you say you say goodbye and I say hello, hello, goodbye, hello, goodbye. Hello, I don't know goodbye. why you say goodbye. Hello, I say goodbye. hello, hello, goodbye, hello, goodbye. I don't know why you say goodbye. I say hello, oh, hello, oh, hello, oh. <laughs> uh, listeners, we're approaching the end of our little little podcast here but i think i have one more question i want to talk about i think you're gonna like this one listeners 
<laughs> which which means so, somehow the question is gonna like burn me oh, yeah. into asking of it. No, no, no. Uh <laughs> only if you make it that way, Andy. Um now the the basis of this conspiracy, this rumor, is that a guy impersonates another guy really, really well. Yeah. So Andy, the question I have proposed to you is if you had to impersonate who who what celebrity or pop figure or famous person would you could you impersonate the longest before people started to catch on that hey this isn't that person art um it's well known to you uh, listeners you don't know this but art knows this because he knows me right i have been accused in the past accused of looking like matthew broderick ah and I think you that, had to go to trial when he murdered that person with a car. I yeah, no, no, n- nobody answered for those crimes when he murdered those two people in Ireland. Uh, nobody answered for those crimes, especially not Matthew Broderick. Oh jeez. Uh, <laughs> there's the real conspiracy: is how did Matthew Broderick not have to stand trial for murdering two people? Go go gadget, get out of crime. <laughs> Um, go go gadget plea deal. So even though it makes me not feel very savory saying that, um, the only other person that I probably look remotely like is Bruce Valanche, and that's fellow Ohio State alum Bruce Valanche, and that is still a stretch. I'd need you like, need a wig. I need a wig. You and need stuff. Big glasses. Yeah, I'd need. A but I can see Tremont. But I can see. It. I mean, for Matthew Broderick, I probably did lose weight. I mean. A doctor told me once I look like Matthew Broderick, and I said I look like the guy who ate Matthew Broderick. <laughs> you got that doctor. You burnt that doctor before he could burn you. Torched him. I mean, yeah. I knew it was coming. Yeah, and that's <laughs> you beat him to it. I'm, I'm. Uh, if you're if you're a Call of Duty fan, I'm the martyrdom. Uh, what a edition. reference! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You throw a grenade. Drop and a you live die? grenade when I die. <laughs> Yeah, Andy is the noob tube uh, <laughs> of uh, if, if Call of Duty archetypes were real, Andy is noob tube for sure. Um, all right, Andy, what do you think about this for me? I've got two. <laughs> okay, at the same time or two options? No, two options. Okay, my first is I I think that if if I have the right length of hair and the light catches me right, I kind of look like Dennis from Always Sunny, a less handsome. <laughs> Glenn Howerton. Okay. I'll say that. Less talented. Less talented for sure. I did not go to Juilliard and I have not been on a, uh, uh, I mean, decades long or I don't know how long Always Sunny's been around. seasons, I think. A long ass fucking time. Uh, very well liked and well received comedy show. Um, but I would say Dennis from Always Sunny. Okay. I've had people tell me that in the past. Okay. I think that's, I think it's, I think it's more your aggressive behavior toward women that leads people to say that. Wait, what? <laughs> no, hang on now. <laughs> I like too that you didn't say Glenn Howerton. You said Dennis from Always <laughs> well, Sunny. Like, I feel like people know him as Dennis more than they know Glenn Howerton. <laughs> okay, fair. That's the only reason why. I know he's okay. Glenn Howerton. Okay. So you would be impersonating Glenn Howerton, not yeah. Dennis. You would. I want. I want to be a psychopath. You wouldn't. You wouldn't become the living embodiment of the Dennis. Yeah, a system. serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> I am a golden god. Um. Uh. Yeah. I. Th- now I've also had other people tell me Zach Braff. 
I don't see <laughs> Who it. Who told you that? I'm not going to name names. Okay. Nobody you know. Okay. But I've had people say Zach Braff. I think they had an ulterior motive. And I think that's that. just trying to make fun of my nose. Yeah. I think that's a little rude. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't see Zach Braff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd say Glenn. Okay. Impersonate Glenn. Okay. I'm going to take Glenn Bring Howerton. back AP Bio. <laughs> I never saw it. Well, yeah. It was all right. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't that into it. I tried. I really tried. I gave it like seven episodes. Wow. And maybe, maybe it picks up. Maybe it's better. But, you know, I'm a big Mike O'Brien fan, as I know you are, Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible improviser, performer, writer. He was on that show. He wrote it. Oh, he's the sh- like the showrunner and the head writer. Oh God, yeah, oh. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, um, uh, Michael Bryan, Michael Patrick O'Brien. I've seen him. We've seen him live together. Very funny, incredible performer, incredible comedian. Yeah, he's great. <clears throat> um. Anyway, Andy, I think that's it. I think we've we closed the case on this one. We closed one the case. In the books. Um, you got any last thoughts you want to share before we let our listeners go? I'd just like to remind the listeners that in the end, the love you make is equal to the love you take. Ooh, that is, that's lovely, Andy. I made that up. You made that up? Yeah. You made up that, uh... I certainly didn't steal it from a Beatles lyric. Oh, definitely not. And definitely and not. And and I definitely wasn't looking it up certainly wasn't something. The, it certainly wasn't the, internet. the closing... You were looking up the word of the day, so you could say, what are you talking about? Uh, And it certainly wasn't the closing of the Chris Farley show interview with Paul McCartney, (laughs) where Chris Farley investigates Paul is dead rumor. (laughs) Shout out to uh, SNL. Yeah. A little show you might have heard of. I heard of it, just like you might have heard of the Beatle. Well, hey, actually, you know what I read? Uh, Just a fun fact. Yeah. Now that we talked, since I brought up SNL. Sure. Um, There was... um, Paul and John, before John died, uh, they were at Paul's place at the Dakota watching SNL one night. And um, this is like one of the last times they were together in person. It may be the last time they were together in person. There was something on on SNL where somebody like offered like a thousand dot three thousand dollars or something for them to like reform the band. Oh, wow. Uh, and the two of them, like, seriously considered going down to the studio <laughs> and, like, just crashing the show. That would be... Because we've been to Strawberry Fields, and we've been to the Dakota, you and I, together. Yeah, we've been there. Um, I think we saw, like... Didn't we see two almost people fight each other in the park? Mm, yeah, it might have been. And we then, there like, was, oh. then there was uh, Carcosa right there. Oh, yeah. They had this wooden thing when we were there, and it was... Not long after True Detective season one, so we called it Carcosa. And we're saying Carcosa, Yellow King, bye. Yellow King, bye, Carcosa. Um, that would be cool. That would have been funny if they did that. Yeah, but cheeky. Did, that would have been cheeky. They decided it was too late in the night, and so they didn't. They didn't go. I understand that. If that resonates with anybody, it resonates with me. <laughs> yeah, I would never even seen it. Someone <laughs> would have had to tell me about it the next day. <laughs> um. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed our little episode here. On Paul is Dead. Um, You know what? For the titular Mr. Bunker and for my stolid co-host, Andy Hart, I'm Arthur Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Far out, man. (laughs) 
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.